This is Airwaves by Aviation Trader, your complete aviation marketplace, with your hosts, Steve Vischer and Graham McCarran. Well, hi folks, and welcome back to Airwaves, the podcast from Aviation Trader. We welcome you back. I'm Steve Vischer, and with me is Grant McCarran. How are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, buddy. Not bad. It's uh, been a little while since we've pressed record, hasn't it? It certainly has. I'm really happy with the response to the first uh, set of podcasts, particularly the uh, series we did with Steve Padgett. Boy, that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, life has been busy, and uh, you know we try to get more content out as we go along. I've been a little bit busy with my day job uh, driving trains, so <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> kind of uh, a lot of training going on there, but. Uh, uh, yeah, here we are back behind the microphone. It's good to be uh, back and doing this. It's, you know, it's good actually that we remember how to do this. We've only had, what, 10 or 12 years experience? Yeah, yeah. it's a bit like riding a bike. You may step away from it for a while, but uh, you wobble a little bit and you get right back on it eventually. <clears throat> yeah. I tell you what, mate, when I learned to fly, speaking of things that, uh, you know, you always, uh, you know, a skill as you always have, um, I remember learning to fly and, you know, um, one of the uh, the biggest things for me because let's face it, I'm not slight of frame and even I wasn't back then was, uh, you know, sitting in that cockpit and trying to navigate and folding up maps and pieces of paper. And, uh, <laughs> of course, as we all know, mate, that's a thing of the past these days with uh, electronic flight bags. And uh, this uh, this episode, we're going to feature uh, one of our great uh, advertisers here on Aviation Trader and it is, of course, Avplan. That's right, mate. Uh, I had the opportunity to go down to Moorabbin Airport and uh, have a chat with Bevan from Avsoft and talk to him about what got him into flying, uh, how he went about creating the original AV plan and how it's developed from there, how they've branched off into uh, not just the, the usual iPad like everyone else, but also, of course, the the Android version that people need to have these days, but also a really big bit of news at the end about something that's uh, pretty groundbreaking with the Android uh, unit there. Yeah, I'm intrigued to hear it. Well, let's jump into that interview right now. Bevan Anderson from Avsoft, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. Now, mate, uh, everyone knows about Avplan and Avsoft, but uh, let's talk about where it all began. What got you, Bevan, interested in aviation? Oh, well, that's a long story. So as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a pilot and learn to fly. You know, when I was a teenager, I had, you know, pictures of uh, aeroplanes all over the walls, built models and all that sort of stuff. Um, read all the books and then uh, I started flying actually at the end of 1989 when I finished school. I wasn't allowed to learn to fly sooner because my mother thought I'd then focus more on the flying rather than the bookwork, which is uh, probably correct. <laughs> so yes, it was late 1989, almost 30 years ago now that I that I started flying here at Moorabbin Airport. I used to ride my bicycle down to the airport and do my flying lessons. I uh, couldn't afford a car, of course, because everything I earned used to go into aeroplanes. Funny that. Yeah, so, yeah, after sort of a couple of years, I had a PPL, I had a commercial licence, night rating, instrument rating. Wow. I was studying uh, electrical engineering at Melbourne University at the same time and, you know, had a part-time job to try and pay for the planes as well. Juggling all that together. Yes. Yeah, and it was about that. It was sort of when I ended that, I found I had a an eye condition that meant that uh, if it kept progressing, I could lose my medical, my, at least my class one medical in my early oh, wow. 30s. So then I kind of kept focusing on what I was doing to pay for the flying, which was IT, and then uh, flying just became a hobby at that point. 
Well, it's good to do all those things when you're young and you have disposable income, not, you know, when you're a parent of two children, that's for sure. <laughs> so I worked in IT uh, doing consulting for large organisations like Telstra and most of the banks and that kind of stuff. Not necessarily programming, but I still had and used to do little tinkering. In the late 90s, with a friend, we developed GPS upgrades for flight simulators, the, the type that flying schools had, so from ATC and Frasca and so on, and we used to... He did the electronics part, so converting a GPS, and I did the sort of the map and the driver component, which was a Windows thing, and then we sold it to a bunch of flying schools around the country in the US and so on. Um, that project went by the by because... You know, technology moved on and then, you know, simulators were shipping with GPSs and, you know, that's fine. And then uh, came the iPad in 2010, so the announcement of that, and I thought, huh, that would be a perfect little device to replace my um, kneeboard that I used to take flying. So, you know, I saw the iPad as something that would be this perfect replacement. It's got internet connectivity, GPS, all that sort of stuff, so it could do all the flight planning and then have all your maps and charts and documents and all that sort of stuff and keep track of everything in the air. Because I had the skills and actually the project I did in the flight simulator part, I had to build aviation databases. Um, So that all sort of was usable. So I started building what became Avplan EFB. It was only ever designed to be something for me. So I still have an instrument rating, used to fly around IFR and all that sort of stuff. But I didn't think anyone would actually be interested in the product. <laughs> when it was sort of a bit beyond prototype stage, I showed it to a few people and they thought, hey, this is kind of neat, you should actually release it as a product. That then took another sort of nine months to get it out the door. And we released the first version of Avplan EFB in 2011, in August. And it was terrible, to be honest. It was clunky, um, buggy. I tried to do too much with it initially because it did flight planning and it had charts and weather and all this sort of stuff. The skeleton of what the product is today was already there and the layout and all that sort of stuff. But... Yeah, if you didn't think exactly the way I thought, you couldn't use it. But, you know, we iterated on that. We got a lot of feedback. There was a group of people that really believed in the product. We got subscribers from day one, which was amazing. Um, And then it's just grown on from there. Uh, In 2013, uh, Simon Hackett um, came on board as an investor. He's based in Adelaide, flies a PC-12. And he was a customer and just wanted to help with the product and especially its expansion overseas. So that's worked out really well for us. In uh, 2015, I relocated to the United States and spent uh, three and a half years living there, building the product and building our relationships with the rest of the aviation industry. Um, And there we've developed quite strong partnerships with companies like Jefferson and Garmin and GE and a few other people um, and have also been growing our business not only in the States but all the rest of the world because we found that the rest of the world is a lot closer to the United States. Australia is great but we are at the end of the earth. (laughs) You can't actually see it from here. So that that was really good Um, and we've got a small team there that continue to beaver away and then the rest of us are based here at well, here in Australia, um, here 
uh, I've got there's people here and there's also people interstate as well. You know, okay. the team is growing. Our business is growing very strongly. Um, I think about thirty percent user growth last year alone. Um, it continues to, you know, tick upwards, which is fantastic. We're picking up more uh, commercial customers all the time. It, EFB adoption's growing rapidly in, on the, the sort of commercial side of aviation. Mm. It's like they suddenly woke up at the start of this year and all thought these EFB things are a great idea. We should totally get on board. <laughs> I, I thought commercial airlines, things like that, were getting into EFBs, but beforehand. So I should say when what I said with commercial is commercial companies. So yes, the airlines were probably big adopters or the larger airlines big adopters of EFBs, but the smaller regional airlines and and then the charter and other GA right. companies around the country what we've seen is that the pilots might have been utilizing EFBs, but it wasn't sanctioned by the the company and the company wasn't getting any really direct benefits out of their use. So now companies are rolling out fleets of iPads or tablets and then um, they're actually getting the benefits of of that and and that's driving sort of revenue into their business. Yeah, they're able to update their ops manuals and uh, reduce paper load, less load on board, just like you have with the aircraft or a private operation. The less paperwork, the less wasted weight. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for some organisations, we've streamlined the whole booking planning process, you know, from, from you know, the mission origin from the customer right through to, you know, execution by the pilot and then all the post-flight yep. book work and all that sort of stuff. And it becomes an integral part of a, a workflow tool in the business. I was just happy to avoid the AIP updates, I can tell you. That made my day because I, I used to do that for uh, one of the ballooning companies. And, yeah, they, and even though we only had one book, one set of maps and things like that, that the guy, well, the sets for the pilots, it was so much better. Oh, yeah, precisely. So, you know, every three months. Well, I used to be a Jefferson customer before I built the product. So that was every month you'd get a book of the little yellow envelopes in the mail and you'd spend two hours in an evening going in, out, in, out, in, out. <laughs> And then once a year, finding all your mistakes and then trying to beg for replacement charts of the stuff you accidentally threw away. Um, now, it's a, the process is you turn your iPad on, press the update button, and it get, all gets done. Yep. Actually, with our product, we've automated that too. So it pretty much just keeps itself up to date if you want it to. Which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, it certainly is. You've gone through, I mean, I mentioned about changing operations manuals, changing things, and part of that overarching driver in there is of course regulatory compliance and some years ago CASA started to update their regulations to accommodate EFBs it was like oh heck they're, they're coming along they like drones it's happening we've got to do something about it uh, and so we've now got the situation of uh, I understand that commercial operators like your charter and so on have to have an EFB manager they have to have approved products and all that into their ops manuals if they're going to use them so have you have you been involved with all that uh, how's that impacted you and and what have you done with customers to help them accommodate that we ourselves require an approval so we've been CASA approved since 2013 originally under card 233 but then became CASR part 175. And what that is, is is basically auditing our process to make sure that the data we get in from air service is then the data that we ship out to our end users. So that gives people the confidence that our processes are correct and you're going to have all the data and documents you need on your devices. 
For a commercial organisation to use EFBs, they need to make amendments to their operations manual to basically have policies and procedures around how the devices are managed, how they're operated, how they're used, what their failure um, modes can be and how that is then mitigated, any risk around it are mitigated. We assist companies with doing that um, and there's other other organisations around that will assist um, organisations to uh, EFB or make their ops manuals EFB compliant. So you've also mentioned uh, the, that you encountered Simon Hackett. He was a user. Uh, for many of us in Australia, we know him, um, especially for an IT, uh, as being Mr. Internode, who set up an ISP that just went great guns, uh, progressed from uh, sail planes through to a Cirrus, I believe, and then onto the uh, PC-12. And he liked it so much he helped invest in the company. Was he a driving force behind America or was that just facilitated by him coming on board? No, that was just facilitated by him coming on board. I think he he bought into the vision that sort of I set out um, when, you know, we first we first met. So it was yeah, he just sort of helped along the way. Um, yeah. and then with other contacts and other assistance. The famous uh, Rolodex that many investors bring in. It certainly helps, that's for sure. (laughs) So uh, with that backing and with that vision, you've gone into the US market, which, of course, if if you get 10% of pilots in Australia, yeah, yeah, not many, but if you get 10% of pilots in the US and then the world, that's doing really well. Uh, Have you found that being in the US has helped with uh, entering the US market and, and getting a toe in the door? Um, it certainly has. So you know, we're, we've we've got a small custom, a small but growing customer base in the US, and we're always going to be a minor player over there. There's some dominant large organisations that do a fantastic job. However, nothing works quite the same way that Avplan does because it's built around this electronic flight plan, this electronic navlog. The way it works is fundamentally different to any other product out there. And when pilots understand that and they care about that kind of stuff, then they're drawn to the product. Um, being in the US uh, has allowed us and given us the entry to expand into other places as well, like Europe and the Middle East and, and so on, where we wouldn't have had that kind of visibility had we not been in the US market. Have you had to do any specific tailoring for the US market and has the US market driven features that in turn have gone into the the, the package I can get here in Australia? Oh, yeah, definitely. So we tailor our product for every market we enter. So um, though the product is laid out in a similar fashion, the way that we name things in terms of localization, but that's not just English versus French versus German, but it's more the... Uh, the, the aviation terms are different in all these different countries and, pe- and pilots expect and they'll be more familiar with the product if it, if it matches their understanding of the way they fly. We did that entering the US and we do that entering all the other markets that we do. And this is the other thing that uh, the American companies don't do. They don't understand the fact that the rest of the world and people and pilots flying in different countries actually have different terms for things, and they don't bother to do those kind of customizations. So consequently, their products well, are great in America and serve half the world's pilots because that's how many there are in North America. They don't fit the way the rest of the world fly, and they don't understand this. Yeah, It's like there's ICAO, there's regionalizations, and then there's America. Yeah, totally. But, you know, there's features, there's things that we have in the US 
uh, product that flew f- that flowed back, like things like Pyreps. So we built a system in the US to ingest Pyrep data from the FAA and NOAA, and then feed the data back into NOAA. But we then leverage that in Australia to do a, some software that we all share in-flight weather conditions amongst other pilots so that you can sort of share what's happening around you. So my understanding is that uh, Avplan will actually interface with a number of the uh, avionics that you can buy and have in your aircraft. Yes, it does. So we do two-way flight plan transfer with a number of GA products, so the Dyn and Skyview, uh, which is the, the flat panel display used in many home builds. So you can create a flight plan in Avplan EFB, push it into your Dynan, pull down the active flight plan from the Dynan onto your iPad. We also share things like the GPS information from the Dynan and also AHARS. So it's quite useful. Uh, we also do the two-way flight plan transfer for the Avidyne IFD series of navigators from uh, yeah, the, the Avidyne device, the GPS that are absolutely fantastic. Very intuitive, like I've I basically picked one up and started using it and I could put it in a flight plan and use it pretty wow. much straight away. They're, they're fantastic. And so we do two-way flight plan transfer with that. We are in discussions with Garmin about doing similar things with their product range and uh, we'll see how that turns out. And lastly, we've been working with General Electric doing two-way flight plan transfer with the 737 FMS. Oh, wow. So... We have been working on an R&D project with them for about 18 months now. The software changes to the FMS are currently going through certification and doing any certification work on anything related to a 737 at the moment (laughs) is taking a little while. Yeah. Uh, However, um, that will come to an end and soon we'll be able to offer that two-way flight plan transfer to and from yeah, anyone with a, a 737 and a certain list of AI, aircraft interface yep. devices, AIDs. So when I finally get my Boeing BBJ, I'll be able to hook my flight plan directly in and out of the tablet. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it really is revolutionary technology because the FMS yeah. is pretty dumb in those aircraft. So the things that we can do, and then and that's just a start. So then it'll expand to performance modelling and, and all that sort of stuff that we can do on the iPad really easily but the FMS just doesn't have the horsepower to do. And to go back to the, the cockpit avionics with like the Dynan, we also sell uh, the data products for the Dynan Skyview. So that's not just the maps, but also geo-reference approach plates and all the digital data as well. So it's pretty much a one-stop shop for all your data needs for a Dynan Skyview. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, for most of the time that I've known you, you've been iPad-based. Edgar did come along and start producing a, a variant for uh, for the Android, and I've been watching that and uh, getting kind of interested in it. But uh, I understand you've got some really big news on that front. Yes, Android's been a, a journey, <laughs> to say the least. So we built a we built a product that we called Avplan Light many years ago. So I think we released that in two thousand and fourteen, and it was marketed as a light product. It had all the maps and charts you needed, and a bit of weather, and that was about it. It was more to get a feeling for the Android platform, you know, what kind of issues we'd have, not with the devices, with support and and maintenance and all those sorts of things that you get when you develop software for a new platform. Um, It was always designed to be a basic product and it was also sold as a basic product. So we weren't charging you the full Avplan EFB rate for the software. It was always less. We then busily built, fleshed out the rest of the features of Avplan EFB we were using a uh, cross-platform development tool to do that, and 
it's one of those things that seemed like a great idea at the time. <laughs> but as we went further and further along, we got more and more issues with performance, stability, mm-hmm. um, and just the, main, the maintenance alone of the development environment was was becoming harder and harder. Mm-hmm. So Plus you also get feature constrained, don't you? you? You want to do something that's really cool using the native, but it's not available in the cross-platform tool or doesn't work as well and, yeah. Yeah, you have all those issues. It's, it's a real pain. Yeah. And so much so that Edgar got jack of it probably in <laughs> September last year and and basically rewrote the bones of it in Java in a weekend and said, look how much better this will be. So, yeah, me being, you know, the the owner of the company, we made the difficult decision to, it sounds like, throw everything away and start again, but we're not. So, so the algorithms are similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically just rewriting, say, translating from one language to another. So much so that we've produced what we did We've gone beyond that and we're about to release the first version of our Android product within the next week or so. We've incorporated our, our new digital charts, which will be available in Android first. And these are digital reproductions of VTCs and VNC charts. What's special about this is that, for one, when you're flying south, you can still read everything because all the labels change and oh, rotate. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's vector graphics. It's not. all vector-based. Oh. No, so it's it's like going from scanned copies of Melways to Google Maps mm-hmm. or or Apple Maps. Yeah, so you know, a fundamental change. This this is what we've developed some you know some world leading um, charting technologies to do this. The maps themselves are absolutely stunning, and they go down to the level of detail when when you zoom in of contour lines and so on. We've incorporated all the power line data for Queensland is another example. So even power lines across paddocks are all depicted. Mm-hmm. So people flying at low level or balloons or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, you know, you'll have an idea of where all these power lines are actually hiding. So yeah, uh, we're really excited to get this out the door. We're super excited that it's on Android first because it's always been that poorer cousin. And all these new maps and charts and things will be coming to iOS as well. But yes, the last things, the last features are going in Android at the moment, which is two-way flight plans transfer between iOS and Android. So people with Android phones and iPads will be able to create a flight plan on one and wirelessly, seamlessly sync Mm -hmm. to your iPad and vice versa or to tablets or tablet and iPhone or whatever. So... You know, we're quickly going to be adding more features. I know it sounds like what everyone says, but, you know, we've really got some momentum behind us. We've broken the back, and the structure is there that we know what needs to be done to add things like weight and balance and, and so on. So for an example of that would be we've got all of aircraft performance modelling and weight and balance profiles in the tablet already, in the Android software. Um, it all syncs with, with the iPad We've just got to write the UI that does the weight and balance, yep. for example. So make all the hard work is done. Make it look good. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're super excited to get that out the door. As a uh, dyed-in-the-wool Android user, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it'll be worth the wait, yeah. I tell you. I, I have been, I've been hearing rumours. Um, I've got some friends that have been uh, helping with beta testing, and so I've been getting more and more excited to have it. And uh, yeah, I for one, I'm looking forward to uh, grabbing it as soon as it's available. Nope, we will let you know. <laughs> Bevan, thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to say as we're wrapping this up? 
No, look, thanks very much for coming down to our A-Frame office here at Moorabbin Airport. If you're in the area, please do drop in. We're open during business hours. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about uh, any features you would like and help you get started with Avplan EFB. Otherwise, look for us online at www.avplan-efb.com. Well said. Thank you very much. Bevan Anderson there from Avsoft, and he's, of course, his uh, very popular product, Avplan. I tell you what, mate, he's a lovely guy, Bevan. I've really enjoyed uh, dealing with him over the years. It's interesting, folks, if you're ever down there at um, Rabbit Airport, and I'm sure the guys wouldn't mind you dropping in. <laughs> I know I have occasionally. Um, they're in the old uh, A-frame building, and people who are familiar with um, Rabbit Airport would uh, probably know that building. There's been a lot of different tenants. I remember uh, Peter Binney flight training was probably one of the more notable uh, uh, people that lived or worked out of that building over the years. But uh, yeah, the old A-frame at Rabin, it's it's been around a long time. Just a tad, mate. It's uh, opposite the Moorabbin Air Museum there. And uh, yeah, pretty distinctive. And you can't half miss the big Avsoft and Avplan banners as you come down the road. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't hang around at Moorabbin nearly as often as I used to. But, uh, you know, I should, uh, you know, I really should get back in that habit, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of fun being down at the airport and uh, we were fortunate uh, they were able to close a few doors and so on so we didn't get too much background noise um, with all the aircraft and so on. There was a couple of motorbikes but that was about it. Well, you know, aviation noise in the background is always a good thing. That's all I'm saying. Oh, mate, it's a beautiful noise. I love it. Well, of course, uh, Grant, aviationtrader.com.au is the website and, uh, of course, Grant, we've got a a good premium uh, content section on there now that we'd uh, really like uh, all of our listeners to uh, head off and uh, sign up for. It doesn't cost you anything but it certainly guarantees that you get things such as, for instance, this great podcast delivered uh, straight to your door. That's right, mate. You can subscribe to the podcast, but it's really good to go and uh, link up on the premium site. As Steve said, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything except a couple of clicks of the mouse. Uh, You go to sign up and scroll down and you'll find just uh, the general connection. They have uh, all sorts of categories for are you an aircraft owner, are you a pilot, all that kind of stuff. And if you're an enthusiast, you can get down to the bottom of the page and click there and that will get you registered for the premium section doesn't cost you a red cent nothing at all and you can go in and see posts blogs additional info uh if we've got any additional info from uh, bevan and the crew we'll be posting it there and uh, it's it's a great place to find additional information that uh, could be of interest over and above what you're hearing in these podcasts absolutely and if you're picking up this podcast uh through the website uh, you know it's always easier to uh, pick it up through itunes and we are live now in the apple podcast store it's actually not called itunes these days grant it's called the apple podcast store so you can pick us up there or uh, on your favorite podcast app if you need to uh, send us an email you can do that by uh, sending it to admin at aviationtrader.com.au and the free call number from anywhere within australia is 1-800-025-776 mate it's the place to go to check out uh, aircraft news aviation information all sorts of great content there and like i said the premium section it's free Easy. Absolutely, it sure is. And, uh, Grant, we want to wish, uh, as we're recording this, it's uh, only a couple of weeks until Christmas, so we'd like to wish all our listeners uh, a very uh, Merry Christmas, a safe and prosperous uh, 2020. Boy, Grant, when we started podcasting, it wasn't even 2010 as far as I can remember, but uh, Uh, time sure does fly. It certainly does, mate. That was a while back. I I do remember the days. That was uh, over, what, about 10 years and uh, probably 10 or 20 kilos ago, yeah. Of course, if you'd like to pick up uh, some of our previous work, you can always do that at plainecrazydownunder.com. That website is still live and there's 130 podcasts there you can have a listen to. 
And uh, some of the other stuff we did is also at australiadesk.net. So uh, make sure you jump over there and you can go back and listen to the archive. Some of that stuff is uh, still evergreen. And uh, we're thinking about how we might integrate some of that content into this feed here at, at Airwaves. Uh, we'll probably look at that in the new year. But in the meantime, uh, Grant, we'd like to uh, thank everybody for uh, you know uh, subscribing to the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed these first few episodes and we look forward to talking to you all again in 2020. Thanks, folks. Catch you then. Airwaves is the official podcast of Aviation Trader and part of the publication's comprehensive array of digital content. If you're passionate about aviation, stay connected at aviationtrader.com.au for the latest podcasts, news, blogs and more.